this feels good to do this. Like, I'm going to hit the thing here just to make it feel more authentic. Like, we have somewhat of breaking news to tell you about to start the show. Something I wasn't planning on talking about a half hour ago, but is now emerging. And I feel like it's something we should tell you about right now because it's been a while since we've discussed some breaking news in the sports world because we don't get a lot of breaking news. It's a lot of proposals and ideas and woulda, coulda, wouldbes, and just a whole lot of recycling a lot of the same conversations about when sports can come back, right? Well, there's an actual proposal out there. There seems to be hardcore news that is out there about this. So let me pass it along to you. Jeff Passan of ESPN, Syracuse grad, reporting this afternoon. Headline, sources, owners approve MLB season proposal for July start as players union preps to weigh it. Okay. So here's what Jeff is reporting. little story time with Uncle Brent. Stand by. Major League Baseball owners approved a proposal that Commissioner Rob Manfred plans to present to players Tuesday, that's tomorrow, on a return-to-play scenario that aims to have baseball back in home stadiums by early July. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. The meeting between MLB and the MLB Players Association Tuesday will set the stage for what both parties expect to be a contentious negotiation. Well, MLB could benefit long-term from being the first American team sport to return amid the coronavirus pandemic. The logistics of starting this season remain convoluted and require player support. As Jeff notes here, money is at the heart of the return. Owners, fearful of deep financial losses with fan-free stadiums, agreed in a conference call Monday afternoon to a plan that includes a 50-50 revenue split with the players. Because MLB is the lone, uncapped team sport in the United States, never has a straight revenue split between part of the game's finances. The MLBPA is almost certain to reject that element of the proposal and counter that a March agreement between the parties guaranteed players a prorated portion of of their salaries, depending on the number of games played. The ability to strike a financial deal could mean the difference between a baseball season and one that is canceled. All right, now there's more details on this, including an expanded playoff and not getting rid of the designated hitter. It would actually be the opposite. I want to get into those, but let's stop right here for a moment. Baseball wants to come back. Baseball sees an early July start right around the 4th of July. The great American game, the great American pastime saying, we have found a way to come back. How upfront they are about the financial aspect of that will be interesting. But the players and the owners just came to a collective bargaining agreement two months ago. The owners are now going to make the argument to the players that, look, The world's changed a lot. It was two months ago that this all really started to go down. Can you believe it's been two months, by the way? Rudy Gobert, the whole thing. This is when the dominoes started falling. So Major League Baseball is going to make the argument to these players, like, yes, we agreed to that. But we didn't see a pandemic wiping out the season. So we're going to have to go forward with the best of what we have, getting the games going again, making the money that we can, albeit without fans in the stands for a while, and we'll split the money with you. So who? this is always the case in a labor negotiation, right? 
It's billionaires fighting with millionaires, and who you side with on there is always an intriguing thing because they're all going to win in the end somehow. But the first major sport to come out of this with new parameters, with new rules, and of course it all not only comes down to money, it comes down to safety. The players are going to have questions about safety and testing, and we're the ones that are risking our necks out here in close contact in a world where we're not quite sure if it's safe to do that yet. And the owners are basically going to be like, well, we'll split the money with you. If we don't do this, we're going to lose too much money. But again, if we do do this and too many players test positive and we can't even play the game we want to play, like this could all be for not as it is. That's kind of the world we're going into right now. Baseball does not have the luxury that the National Football League does. By the time September rolls around four months from today when the NFL season's rolling, we're going to have a much clearer picture of what sports can do and how they can do it. Whether fans can be involved at all, if it's a third of the stadium, half of the stadium, whatever the case may be, testing will be much more prevalent by then. Baseball's still in a world where it's like, look, the answer to all these questions is testing, testing, testing. As the UFC found out this weekend, as we'll talk about with Matt Perino later. So that right there is going to set up a pretty interesting argument. As passing notes, it will be contentious. The players will be like, this is what we agreed to. We're risking our necks out there. So you're going to pay us what the collective bargaining agreement says, where the owners are going to say, nah, we'll split it with you. Okay. Among the other vital points, as Jeff's words, vital, included in the proposal, an expansion of playoff teams from 10 to 14, an 82-game regular season, the use of home stadiums in areas that have local and state governmental approval, a so-called spring training 2.0 that begins in June with a season set for early July. How about this? A universal designated hitter. Not get rid of the designated hitter. Everyone's got a DH. Geographical schedules in which teams play only in-division opponents and interleague opponents in a similar area. So, for example, American League Central teams will play only the AL Central and the NL Central. They're going to cut back on travel as much as possible. A 30-man roster with a taxi squad that would have upwards of 50 players available. You've got to have more players available because if somebody gets tested positive, has to quarantine for two weeks, well, we've got to put that spot into use. As Jeff notes, the season could start on 4th of July weekend with games around the country in home stadiums. The interdivision heavy schedule would be limited travel with teams possibly traveling by bus to nearby cities. Spring training likely would not include games as teams could get ready for the season at their home stadiums. The 50 players available would be a mixture of minor leaguers and top major leaguers, pardon me, and top minor league players with the minor league season in jeopardy. So there's another factor right there. Here you're the Syracuse Mets and minor league baseball totally dependent on the in-person experience and the money of people in their stadiums buying food, parking, getting souvenirs. Like Minor league baseball is 100% dependent on that. And if they don't feel like it's May 11th already, they're supposed to be a month into their season. If they don't feel like they can play initially, you're going to see those players on a major league roster, which... I wrote a column about this today. I wonder if that means we're going to see Tim Tebow on the New York Mets rest roster to start out. 50 players, right? 
His dream will come true. We watched Michael Jordan last night pursue his baseball dream. Never quite made it to the majors for a number of interesting reasons. Although Terry Francona says that if he got some more at-bats and stuck it out, he probably would have made it, which is incredible to think about. That's a whole different topic that we'll get into later in the show. Game on. Here we have, and baseball's up against the clock more. Adam Silver, who seemingly can do no wrong as the commissioner of the NBA, had a conference call with players on Friday, and his response was, we're in no rush here. Now, his is a little different. They're at the end of their season. Baseball has yet to play their season, and they're in a hurry to get there and get the money flowing again in some way. Whereas the NBA is kind of like, well, we've got 60-plus games in, and we want to finish this thing, but do we really have to? The National Hockey League is in the same position. As we're going to talk about with Jim Sorosi in a few minutes, the AHL had to shut down. But the NHL is like, no, do we really need to finish this thing? Baseball is like, we got to go. And if we don't go, we don't figure this out, we're going to dig ourselves a deeper hole. So that's the proposal. That's what the owners want to do. The players will now push back, and we'll see if there is a middle ground for them to meet to bring back the great American game. And if it's done right, and there's a lot of risk involved here, there's a lot of testing, there's a lot of things that you just kind of have to fly without a net on. If it works and baseball comes back, they will reap the benefits of it because it'll be live sports that people will want to consume and watch, and it could be a, a, a revival of interest in baseball, at least until football season, right? But is it worth it? That's the question we have asked ourselves since this all started two months ago, and it is now the question that baseball has to ask itself now, and the players will start to ask themselves more seriously that there is a proposal on the table. How bad do you want to play? How much money do you really need? Is it worth the risk? How much do we need it and want it? What it can do for the collective psyche of the country? Look, agree or disagree with President Trump, he taped a, a message that they played before the UFC fight. He's pushing for it. He's pushing for, and a lot of people are pushing for this, frankly. Not just him, but people on all levels of this. Say, we need sports back safely, done right, procedure-wise, at some point we start to say, we recognize what this is, we respect what this is, but we now have to learn to live with it. Step-by-step, phase-by-phase. Major League Baseball is ready to play ball. So we'll see what happens starting tomorrow. Now that this proposal's out there, that story's out there, what else starts to leak, what players will take to social media, will take to do interviews, whatever the case may be, to get their word out there on this, because we are in unprecedented times, and this would be an unprecedented way for a sport to play, albeit temporarily. That felt good to discuss real, actual breaking news at the start of the show. That has not happened in, like, two months. I can still do this. This, this is reassuring. This is refreshing. Let's break on that note. We will come back. We'll unfortunately switch gears from a sport that's trying to get back to one we know that won't for the foreseeable future. The rest of the AHL schedule for 2019-2020 is is canceled. The Calder Cup playoffs officially canceled. So what's the next step? How did they regroup 
and figure out where to go from here. We will talk to Jim Sorosi about that, some terrific fundraising efforts that you can take part in that they are doing to help COVID-19 relief and help out the crunch as well. Really simple thing that we all can do. We'll catch up with Jim on the other side. You're on the block ESPN Radio and our Burdick BMW opening drive. Stay right there. In hockey here in a season ending by, say, in the Calder Cup playoffs, but that unfortunately not the case. But the crunch are plowing through, and we're going to learn how we can help out some COVID-19 relief and, and some other things here with our good friend Jim Sorosi, who joins us now, ESPN Radio Syracuse. Jimmy, my boy, how are you? Um, I'm doing. Thank you so much for having me on. And I am kind of blushing right now. That was a, it was great. This area is very lucky to have a gentleman like Lee Baldwin. I know he's a big part of our Crunch family as well. He's been um, in, in many different ways. I'm looking after the the players when they have some questions as well as just all of his support. So uh, he's a good man. It was very good to hear his voice. So <laughs> thank you. And and how are you? I'm great. Uh, under the circumstances, I guess is what we're required to say these days. And uh, I offer that to you, Jim. I know it's Look, it's not any different when you see the wave coming. It still hits you, right? So you guys knew this day was coming, but now it's official. Just just tell me how everybody's reacting. How's everybody taking the news today? Yeah, it's so surreal. It's, you go through the whole process. I remember I driving back from Utica with Julian Breezewell in the car and, and that last game that we wound up home, and you're like, okay, we can go home for a week or two weeks or or three weeks. And then as we got into April, we're like, oh, geez, I, I do not think we're coming back this year. And, you know, I think over the last three weeks, we kind of figured that out. And the talks took a much more serious turn over the last 10 days. Last Friday was the vote. And then obviously today, the announcement. So like many things for us, you know, non-health-wise, this is our, it's our everything. It's our careers, our lives. And you spend so much time working towards a goal and it's just not an individual goal. I mean, and it's not even just the athletes. It's it's everyone. It's our fan base. It's the area. So when you, you see it in writing and then you push the button on the send, it it gets it gets real like they say, right? So it's it's kind of been a, a crappy day from that regard that reality is setting in a little bit. But but one good thing like we talked about very briefly off air is now we really get to close this chapter and now put all our efforts into uh next hockey season. So, Jim, for those not familiar, let, let's just take a step back here because, you know, we hear so much about some sports that want to come back. The National Hockey League's looking at it. We were just discussing before you came on how Major League Baseball has put their proposal out there. It goes to the players, and now we're going to hear some real talk about when they're going to play baseball again. But from your standpoint, ultimately, why did Dave Andrews and, and, and the leadership and the owners make the call that you just couldn't get back on the ice? Well, obviously, number one was the safety, and you know we're living right now, working hand in hand, I should say, with local government and the state of New York, and trying to figure out when we're allowed to. So, right off the bat, it's not happening from that regard. Where we'll be one of the last kind of back in is you think about it. Our job is to put a lot of people into a dense environment to help support the the players and create that that atmosphere that we always talk about in that fan experience. But for us and for the American League, we are, and it's no secret, we're a gate-driven league. Our revenue comes mainly from ticket sales. And unlike the major sports, you know, football, so you always hear, like, football gets a nice check from Kelly. It covers their play, their player payroll right off the bat. We we don't have that stuff. So for us, it has to go back to having fans in it, and and that's really going to be the focus. Now, how can we do that in the safest way? 
So, Jim, when you look at it and getting fans back in there, totally dependent on the fan experience, you said you don't have this TV money pot that, that you can dip into. You've had time, but now you have more time to to look ahead, which has to be a bit of a challenge in one sense because you're not sure what the rules of the game are going to be. But from what you know right now, what can you plan ahead for? What what are you looking towards in when you get back and what that experience is going to be for fans? It's the, the biggest thing right now in our planning is to be flexible because you're right. I mean, we're going to work very closely with with County Executive Ryan McMahon and his staff in terms of what we're allowed to do. And then we'll work with our partners at ASM Global who manage the building. And I know we'll be on top of it, but when we are back, it will be a party like no other party. And, and that's what <laughs> right now um, will be how are we going to celebrate this? How are we going to celebrate the frontline workers, the truck drivers, the grocer clerks and the nurse, you know, everybody that's helping get us all through this. And my mind's been going crazy, and a lot of our talks have been to that. Um, one initiative we're running right now with our ticket holders is giving them the ability to donate some of the games that they missed this year. The eight home games donate those right to frontline workers, and the initial response has been overwhelming with the amount of of people to do that. So but going back to the question, there, it's very important. It's critical that we remain flexible to see, are we opening up at 25% capacity, 50%? Do people have to sit every fourth seat? Who are those people? Are those, you know, is it seniority and season ticket holders? Is it, you know, there's so many different ways that we can, that we can go right now. We just have to be ready for all of them. Very similar to how we're planning for next year. Is it an October, November, December, January start? All these different scenarios. And, and this is now. Jim, how about from a player standpoint? We're still learning a lot about this. I was reading something today from from Dr. Fauci, as a matter of fact, who spoke with Peter King. It was a, a football-related discussion, but a lot of what he was saying, I think, relates to hockey, given the, the contact aspect of the game. What do we know about hockey and the procedures of testing and, and how the players can get back on the ice uh, whenever that shall be? It's a lot of what your listeners, I'm sure, are seeing. I mean, so many of the sports have, you know, unless it's like a golf where it's kind of a, you can play with that physical distancing right there. I mean, we're we're in talks with all the other leagues right now on how and what is the best way to do it. And because of the way everything is shaping up, you know, there's a lot scheduled to go on before us, whether it's European soccer, MLB, NFL. So we're going to learn a lot with from them on how to do this and how to do it safe safely. A lot of our talks have been very similar to MLB, where maybe you pick a city and put all the athletes and kind of quarantine them together, test in on the way into the building, test down the way out of the building, and all that, all of that kind of stuff. But really, there's so much that's unknown still. I and mean, we talked to Tampa Bay Daily about it, and again, the message is very simple: just be ready, and um, you know, and, and keep doing what you're doing now. So if we do get back, that you're ready to go. You brought up an interesting point there, and I was reading, uh, Lindsey Kramer uh, spoke with Howard Dolgan today, and Howard was speaking to the media via Zoom, as we all do these days. And one thing that that Howard noted was that Tampa Bay has agreed to kind of lighten the affiliation fee. And it just kind of speaks to the strong relationship that is evident there between Tampa Bay and Syracuse. What else can you tell us about that, Jim? What kind of counsel has Tampa Bay offered? What have the conversations been like with them through this so far? You brought up the story of when Julian and you were riding back from Utica, but how has that been overall between Tampa Brass and and Syracuse Brass and kind of finding your way through this? Well, I promise I'll keep this one short because I could talk for a week about them. They they are 
amazing in every way in terms of the support that they're giving us. And little examples are, you know, we have a, a, a team um, consultant who helps with every, all the player and staff's mental health. He's been such a rock during all of this. Ryan Hamilton with weekly check-ins and daily check-ins if needed. Um, a lot of it is, you know, because these athletes, and since they're all human beings too, they're all, some are scared, some are anxious, some are a little kind of, okay, this isn't really affecting me where it is. Cause maybe in some of their hometowns, there's not even a case yet and stuff. So it's trying to stay consistent with them, constantly checking in and talking. And that affiliation see like Howard referred to was, was wonderful. We have such a unique model compared to other minor league sports, baseball in particular, where, you know, we do have a, a affiliation fee that is a, a pretty large number just for the right to kind of be associated with with Tampa Bay. So, um, you've you've talked to Julian many times, and it's it it's it's hard to sometimes to articulate just how important that relationship is to us and helping us get through something crazy like this. And that drive home is one I'll never forget. I, mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it went out there, but when we were driving home, the reason. I went with Julian was we were, I had already left with a couple staff members. He called me back. Um, he had just found out what happened in the NBA specifically with the Utah team and Tampa had been following them. I think it was three cities in a row. They had followed them. So Julian at that point was concerned if he had been exposed to anything. So, you know, Jim and a couple staff members was a lot less than a bus full of athletes. So we kind of the lesser two, two evils there. So a lot of our talk was, and a lot of the phone calls going back and forth then were, were really medical calls because Tampa had followed around, like I said, the Utah. And, you know, the way it works in those buildings is the visiting teams very often will share locker rooms and, and uh, weight facilities. Um, now, there's procedures in place to make sure everything is cleaned after a team leaves and all of that, but still very scary because of all the unknowns then. Jim, we heard recently when this all was coming down and some ideas were flowing that you donated some equipment to Upstate Hospital to help sanitize some equipment up there. Is that, is that still going on? Are you still uh, assisting with that? Yeah, it's something we're very proud of, and I'm glad you brought that back up. Yeah, Dr. Corona, who, who runs the hospital there, he had been talking to one of his friends who heard of this company called Sanisport. And what happened with that, he reached out to Howard saying, hey, do you have any of these machines? Howard said, not only do we have these machines, you can have them by tomorrow if you want them, if there's even a chance. But once we found out that they were using those to help disinfect specifically the face shields so they could have even more use, what we worked on over the following weeks there was just helping get that word out. Um, We found out that a lot of police stations and fire departments had had similar machines to them, a lot of colleges use it, and how could we mobilize that effort to get them in the hospitals? And it was very rewarding in a very, very, very small way that we were helping play a part. And that's specifically when the PPE shortage was at its height, although it's still in need. It's not as critical as it was at that point, was our understanding. So we were trying to take the equipment that could be used maybe two, three, four times and double that or triple that life. And everything's been very positive with that. And Jim, uh, last note for you here. Uh, you guys are—you've been doing a lot through this whole thing. That included, as we mentioned, the virtual hockey online. Uh, so many different things. And and one effort that we can all help out with is is something we've seen recently. You guys are selling uh, the puck off COVID nineteen T shirts. Uh, tell us how we can get those and and who that will go to benefit. No, thanks for saying that. Yeah, so puck off COVID-19 on the front, and then the most important message is we will be back stronger on the back. So kind of an uplifting message there. Part of the proceeds are going right to the direct front 
frontline effort at the hospital again, right back to university. It's real simple to get SyracuseCrunch.com backslash stronger. Please help out if you can. Jimmy, it's great to hear your voice. I wish it was under uh, better circumstances, but as the shirt says, you'll be back stronger. I know you guys are going to plow through this as well as anybody, and uh, hope to catch up soon. But thanks for your time and insight as always no, today, my you, friend. Right back at you, and, and I'm looking forward to when we're in the, the same room together again. Absolutely, my friend. That's Jimmy Sirosi from the Syracuse Crunch. As he mentioned, uh, get the puck off T-shirts with the "We'll be back stronger" on the back, and those bet. Those efforts go to not only help COVID-19 relief, but to, to help out the Syracuse Crunch as well and their staff to stay employed through all this.